Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Charlie's Doggy Bag. For your dog, snacks are serious business, so why give them anything less than the best? Their snacks are natural, no filler, no-nonsense delicious. They know because they make them themselves. Make sure to go check them out at charliesdoggybag.com. Trigger warning, the following episode does contain information in regards to sexual assault, sexual violence, as well as domestic violence, and may be triggering for some listeners. Hey guys, and welcome into another amazing episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. Every year, tens of thousands of men and women are raped, sexually assaulted, and sexually harassed by active duty service members. Just in the fiscal year of 2019, only 138 offenders were convicted of a non-consensual sex offense across all five service branches. So basically, this translates to an overall conviction rate of 2.4%. Can we just talk about that number right now? 2.4%. It's becoming more of a topic of interest and concern by the media, but still it has this massive amount of negative opinions on it. And I'm sure you guys have heard many different types of stories and different protests as well that's on the one and only TikTok. But I have an amazing, amazing group with me today. I actually have two guests here with me today. I have Rowena and Olivia, and they are coming on to discuss not only sexual assault within the military. Yes, we are going to touch on that subject. Why? Because it needs to be something that's discussed and talked about. But they also have this amazing company that they founded together. So ladies, welcome in. How are you? Great. Very good. Thank you. I am so honored to have both of you on this episode. Like I said, it seems to be a topic that is almost a taboo of if you are a man or a woman, especially in the military, and you go through something so traumatic, such as sexual assault, it's almost this turn the other cheek, don't listen, don't talk about it, and don't share your story. So Olivia, let's get started. Go ahead and introduce us to yourself and let's just dive into this topic today. Okay. So, um, Again, my name is Olivia. I am an active duty member in the Air Force. I'm still in. Actually, I hit 20 years this month, so that's very exciting. I'm very excited about that. Congratulations. Big accomplishment. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, So I'm stationed in Delaware, and um, I'm a mother of three. I own my own business, and as Rowena stated, um, we are the founders of We Believe You. So can you give me a little bit of background in regards to your experience with sexual assault? I know you and I have emailed and we've talked prior to this, but for any listeners, and again, this is such a just touchy subject and it's something that to, for listeners to come on here, to share their story and to share their experiences and speak out and speak up is very admirable. Um, I am honored to have you on here and I'm so honored because I know this is going to touch at least one listener and it might just change somebody's life. So what has been your experience with sexual assault within the military? Well, actually my experience goes all the way back to when I first joined. Um, I was a young airman who was, you know, fresh out of basic training. I was trying to learn my job. I work supply. So if you don't know, supply is already a male-dominated field. So trying to prove yourself in a male-dominated field is difficult. Um, I was actually sexually assaulted by my supervisor. And um, 
Um, so pretty much for me, when it happened, it was very, very, first of all, I didn't understand it because mm-hmm. so, and so I'll give you a little background. Um, I remember I kept getting in trouble a lot, no matter what, he would always ask me to stay after work. I had to work late. And if you know, being in the military, you know, when you're told to stay late, um, you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're do what you're told because you know, you're paid 24 seven. Um, so of course I'm like, why am I always getting in trouble? It would be this dumbest thing. It would be like a small write up. It would be, Oh, you were late. You were five minutes late from lunch. You, um, you might've said something wrong to an NCO. And so I, I didn't understand it. So I would always stay late with him, but it would just be us. And, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because this one particular day, I remember him asking me, hey, I need you to go into the um, office because I'm going to put all this on paper. And I'm thinking, God, why? I can't get nothing right. I remember walking into the office and he just brutally attacked me. And at that moment, I had no idea what was happening, why this was happening. You know, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Um, so for me, when I, um, when I went home that day, actually, um, when I got to my boyfriend's car at the time, cause he was picking me up from work, he could tell something happened. Mm-hmm. And so he went in there and, you know, we're 18 and 19 years old. So, you know, he's straightening stuff. He's gonna, he's gonna rectify the situation. And it, it got really, really bad. He ended up beating him up pretty bad. And then um, I just remember going home and just, and I still lived in the dorms, going into my dorm and just like taking the hottest shower I could. And when I tell you I scrubbed every inch of my body, I was screaming, I was crying. I could not, for the life of me, understand why this happened or what just happened. Mm-hmm. When you think of sexual assault, you don't think this happens to me. You don't think, oh, I've just been sexually assaulted. It's what happened. What just happened? So then you try to block it out your mind. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to his supervisor and I'm going to tell his supervisor what happened. And so he said, okay, well, I'm going to take it to our uh, section commander, which was a lieutenant at the time. And he said, well, we handle things in house. So I'm going to make sure I take care of this. I'm going to investigate. I said, okay. He said, but in the meantime, we're going to move you to another section. So you're not around each other. The section that he moved me to was literally right next door. So I still saw this man every day. Mm. And trying to avoid the eye contact, I noticed a few days later, I noticed that people were giving me a very strange look. Like, it was really weird. And finally, I said, okay, what is going on? I was brought into the office, and I remember my lieutenant and his supervisor said, so we just discovered that... You've been having an affair with this gentleman and your boyfriend found out and he got upset and he fought, you know, your supervisor. He said, so if you don't continue with this claim of sexual assault, we won't charge your boyfriend for assault. And so what do you do? Mm -hmm. I think for the longest time, I was very angry, very confused because I went from being a sexual assault victim <clears throat> to this homewrecker, which I wasn't. 
And I was very confused. Like, how come I had no one to trust? How come no one was hearing me? No one would believe me. It was because he was this great NCO. Everyone knew him. Everyone loved him. You know, he had this wonderful wife. He was a great father, you know, great husband. Why would he do something like this? And I held on to that anger for a long time, for a long, long time. And I remember when Sharp, Sark, Sapper had just really came on board, which was like years and years later, we had to do a briefing. And I remember sitting through that briefing and I was shaking so bad that I literally ran out of the briefing and I was screaming to the top of my lungs. And I'll never forget this female captain came out and she, she looked at me and she said, what happened? And I told her everything. And I was just crying. I mean, I didn't even know who she was. I couldn't even tell you what she looked like at the time. But she looked at me and she said, oh, no, we're taking care of this now. We're going to do something about this right now. And she said, you're going to tell everybody you can until you have no voice. I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I tell anybody what happened to me? But it was the best advice I ever had. Because it's not about him. It was about me. Did you feel almost in like, what is considered a very male dominant um, branch or aspect of the position that you work. Did you feel during that, you know, people pushing and saying like, you need to report this, you need to tell your story. Did you feel, I'm sure as most sexual assault victims feel of, I'm not going to be believed, I'm going to be retaliated against. And, you know, and just having that guilt, did you feel that automatically? Oh, absolutely. Because it's almost like your mind goes back to, when you initially told someone and you were looked at as this homewrecker. So of course you're thinking, I'm not going to tell anybody. And, and why would I tell anybody? You know, that's my past. I'm moving forward. I'm not going to discuss what happened because I feel like I'm just reliving that trauma. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of women now that are coming out, especially with TikTok being such a, a big platform and they're able to tell their story and they're able to speak out against um, their assailant, but especially in the military, you're starting to see a lot more of sexual assault stories that are coming to light, but not only is the victim not heard and listened to, but they're being retaliated against for coming mm-hmm. out, for speaking up and speaking out. Um, even on social media, when you go through all of the comments, I mean, we live in a world where other people's opinions, even though it shouldn't matter to us, it's, it's really impactful. And when you're seeing these victims speak out and have a voice and have the strength to tell their story, because like you said, you're going back and reliving that moment all over again, society's aspect of listening and hearing are two completely different things. So people are Mm -hmm. now leaving disgusting derogatory comments and especially when you hear sexual assault it's oh well as a female um i mean i saw one the other day that came out and she shared her story and it was this immediate anger that i had towards these these comments of strangers of well you're a female or look at your other posts and look at what you look like and dress like you're asking for it so Mm -hmm. the reason we're doing this episode is to state no one ever asks for this and it's something that impacts you for the rest of your life Um, maybe for listeners, you could, um, possibly bring light to this. Um, there obviously more needs to be done and there needs to be no retaliation and, or guilt or shame. Victims are victims and all voices matter. Um, in the military, there's two options for reporting for those that are not familiar. Um, there's restricted and unrestricted reporting. So restricted reporting allows a victim to report the sexual assault without triggering an investigation, but unrestricted reporting is recommended currently for victims who desire an official investigation. 
um, the command is notified. And then in addition, they have advocates that help in regards to legal services and mental health. How did you feel when you reported? How did you feel that your mental health was taken care of during the process? Well, believe it or not, I actually didn't report it until two years ago. And I did an unrestricted uh, report. Um, So imagine that long period of time where it initially happened back in 2003 Mm -hmm. and it's now 2020 and I'm reporting it. So for me, that was scary enough as is because I'm like, how am I going to prove this? Mm -hmm. How am I going to prove this? But I tell anyone, you reporting this, your investigation is about you. It's not about them. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen. It's a very, very, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I'm not going to lie to anybody. It's very hard. And I, I just want to say this. If you do decide to report unrestricted, have a support group. Mm-hmm. Have a support group. You're going to need that. Because the emails, the constant phone calls, the conversations, the investigation, we call it OSI. I'm not sure what other branches call it. You almost feel as if you're going to go back into that hole and say, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And there's been plenty of times I've actually reached out to Rowena and I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I've been speaking on my situation for years, but to actually go forward with that investigation, it was like, Okay, I can't. I can't do this. I don't have. I'm not strong enough for this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I'm important tell you. for listeners. Sexual assault does not just mean actual physical sex. It can be anything that is unwarranted. So it can be someone that is sexually harassing you. It can be someone that is, you know, doing anything that at your will you're not willing to consent to. And I think that's very important because most victims sit and you know, have the shame and then the guilt, but then the people that are listening to the stories, they're like, well, if this didn't happen, then you don't really fall into this guideline or if this didn't happen. And I think we need to get out of that mindset of sexual assault is assault with so many different aspects to it. And it's something that makes a victim feel as a victim. They don't have a choice and they don't have a voice. And so many times in that moment when people hear, oh, this happened to you, it was, well, why didn't you just leave? Why didn't Mm -hmm. you stand up for yourself? And it's not this fight or flight moment because until you're Mm -hmm. in that traumatic experience, like you said, you're like, is this happening to me? What do I do? I trust this person or this is someone that has seniority over me. Mm -hmm. What, what, what do I have? You know, what, what can I do? So in that moment, because everyone asks this, like, did you have that? Like you said, I can't believe of of everyone, this is happening to me. Why me? Like, have you felt that through all these years as well? Oh, absolutely. And then you'll go through a period of time where say that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That wasn't real. I made that up. You'll go through that as well. You're going to go through so many different emotions to the point where you're going to feel bipolar. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that support system is the most important thing to have when you were going through your process, because when you are surrounded by people who love you, like I, I have maybe three people, three people that I surround myself with when it comes to these feelings. And I, and I, I speak to them about it. Uh, Rowena's one. And one day I'm angry. I'm angry. The next day I'm sad. The next day I'm confused. And again, like I said, this is, 
you're talking what 18 years ago mm-hmm. 18 19 years ago and i'm still living with this to this day this is a trauma that i took on into my marriages where it got to the point where my boyfriend at the time who who eventually ended up becoming my husband i didn't even want him to touch me like don't i couldn't have him touch me and mm-hmm. when you're young you don't understand that maybe you need to go through counseling to get through that feeling and we ended up divorcing because he didn't feel wanted or appreciated. So you go through so many different, and it's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. So like I'm shaking now because it's like, you still feel it. You still feel it, but you, but you push and you push. These are the moments you push because it hurts. How did this affect your military career? Because you went so long without reporting. Most people think, you know, if this happens to me, I'm going to rush right away and I'm going to do it. And that's, it's, there's never a timeline. And especially in the military, there is no timeline. So mm-hmm. it can take years to actually get the courage and, and process this because it is so traumatic. So how did this affect your military career since you've been in and are still in to this day? It's, it's been a, a lot of ups and downs. Um, that trust factor in your leadership, if you don't have it. I actually, um, it's funny because I wanted to get out. I wanted to get out. I, was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. But then I felt if I get out, then he wins. They win. And it's not just him. That's, that's another thing people have to understand is that, the person that hurt you is not your only enemy when it comes to this process. It's the people that are disrespecting you or who are looking at you, calling you a liar or pretty much, you know, making you feel low. It's a it's it's an entire team of people that you feel betrayal from, not just this one person. It's your leadership. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I didn't trust my leadership. I didn't even understand how I was even. Sometimes I don't even know how I made it this far, but then I think after a while, I felt like if I got out, then they would win. If I got out, then other women who have been through this, they need, they need that support system. And I remember when I went to the NCO Academy, I was in the classroom and I told my story and I don't know what, what made me tell my story um, when I was in that class, but I remember probably after class, it was like two women came to me and said, oh my God, same thing happened to me and I don't know what to do. And I was like, we should, we should, we should come together. We should support each other. It became of, okay, it's almost like a survival of the fittest. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to support each other. We're going to, we're going to survive together. We're going to survive this together. So is that what pushed you to start the We Believe You or with Rowena or how did you guys get started and and what are you guys about? Because I'm going to put all of your information in the bio because like you said, it's survival of the fittest and the more women and men that are coming together and speaking about this, realizing you're not by yourself, you're not alone, the roller coaster, the emotions, the up and downs, you have a support system that not only believes you, because I think that's one of the biggest hurdles and fears. But you also have people that are going through the same thing that you or similar that you've been through. So what is We Believe You? How did this get started? We Believe You SOS. And I always want to say in advance before I get started about our background, Olivia is really my support system when it comes to reaching out to survivors of sexual assault and those in the military. Um, I'll often have so many survivors that will come to me that are still serving 
that will ask me questions and that will say, hey, do you know how to do this process? And I'm like, I can't guide you through it because I'm not a survivor of military sexual assault myself, but I have a team member who has been through it, who's going through the same thing. And sometimes I feel that while we have all these great resources out there with mental health and with SARC and victim advocates, sometimes I feel with survivors, it's a lot easier to relate to someone who's been through it and talk to someone who's been through it, even though they might not be that professional and have that title. It's always great for me to have a peer for someone to reach out to because they have an understanding. So Olivia's been through it and she has an understanding of it. So I always refer people to her. Um, and they always come back and say, hey, thank you for referring me to her because, you know, I didn't want to talk to a counselor. I didn't want to talk to anyone yet. Um, but talking to her made me realize I'm not the only one going through it. So that's the first thing. So I always tell, give kudos to Olivia for that aspect. In regards to We Believe You SOS, um, it really started like in probably June or July of 2020. And it was really started off of a Facebook post saying, does anyone want to do a 5K? Because at that time... That is when the Vanessa Guillen story was coming out. That is when everyone was frustrated and angered at the military and all the sexual assault in the military. And to come to find out that no one really believed her. So I just posted, hey, does anyone want to work with me on doing a We Believe You 5K to let survivors of military sexual assault know that we believe you? So it started that way. We weren't a nonprofit at the time. We um, decided that we would donate all our proceeds to Protect Our Defenders, which is an amazing organization that also helps with the legal aspect for survivors of sexual assault in the military. So we did that. We did the 5K. We were able to raise $10,000 to go back to Protect Our Defenders, which was really, really awesome and amazing. But then I told um, Olivia, who is one of my founders as well, and then I have a military spouse who is also a founder and another active duty Air Force member who is stationed overseas right now, and she is a founder as well. Um, but I came together with them. And I said, hey, I want to make this bigger. I want survivors to know that um, we still believe you, and we always will believe you. So with sexual assault in the military, domestic violence in the military, we may not have, you know, we may not be the biggest nonprofit. We may not have the most resources right now. But I wanted just to advocate for those military members and military spouses. And I mean, we do it for the survivors outside the military community too, but we want to make sure that in everything that we do, that we acknowledge and that we let survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence in the military know that we are here for you. We are having these little, not little, <laughs> we're having these conferences each month. We're having these speaker series each month. We want to let you know that we believe you because to be quite honest, sometimes it's very hard for nonprofits to get into the realm of the military and with military spouses because they're so closed off and there's so many rules and regulations that you have to follow. But we just want to put together things and events each month to let survivors know that we believe you. Um, so that's really how it was founded. We officially became a nonprofit in February of 2022, which was amazing. So now we're just putting things together, having advocacy series. Um, we'll be in Nova next month. We'll also be talking for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and I'll be doing a part on military domestic violence for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So there's so many things that are going on because I, I think that 
and I'm, I'm done with my spiel after this. I think that the advocacy and all the things that are happening right now with survivors speaking out against sexual assault, I'm a domestic violence survivor myself. I think that everything that's going on with sexual assault now is going to happen with domestic violence, unfortunately, in the military. I think it's going to be too late. I think you're going to have a casualty eventually um, happen in the military, and there's going to be a death or there's going to be an uproar. And then domestic violence is going to be all of a sudden a big focus. So I think that for me, the military is really reactive more than proactive when it comes to addressing these issues. Um, nothing really seems to happen. Nothing really seems to make change until either people start speaking out or until something serious like Vanessa happens. So we try to just be more proactive than reactive. And we also try to make sure that we have survivors that can use their voice. So I have Olivia that's by sexual assault, myself with domestic violence, my military spouse, who can talk about the military spouse issues because they're an underrepresented community as well that also does not have a voice. So we wanna make sure that we have them as well. But that's really how we were founded. Um, that's my spiel on We Believe You. And now I am going to go silent. Olivia might have other stuff to add with it. But that's kind of how we got started and kind of what we're doing right now. So I remember after the Vanessa situation where a lot of us were posting our picture in uniform next to like a collage next to Vanessa's picture and then telling our story. And I remember I did that and I want to say I got about a thousand shares, which was just in my, you know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't have that many followers. So I was kind of like, wow. I think the biggest uh, eye opener for me was that how is it that a thousand people believe me, but yet four people couldn't. And at the time, Rowena was like, she came to me and she said, look, I'm trying to do this. I, I want mm -hmm. to put it out there. Enough is enough. And I know you're tired. So let's do this. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? She said, what can we do to raise awareness? What can we do? And she knows I love to run. She knows I love to run. As you can see, I have a whole lot of medals. Like I love running. I love doing all this stuff. So she said, let's do something. Let's do a walk. I said, well, let's, you know, why don't we do, why don't we kind of do like a, um, you know, kind of like a virtual thing. And then our other founder, uh, Keisha, she was like, well, you know, the Air Force, we normally get medals printed out whenever we do stuff like this. So we can, we can make a medal. And next thing I know, it was like all of these great minds coming together and this 5K was formed. And the support was so amazing that we sold out of medals probably within 30 days. We sold out of like a hundred, what is it, a hundred medals, Rowena? Yeah, it was like we that. Like, yeah, we had like a hundred and we probably, we could not keep them. It, like we were promising people like, hey, you know, we're going to try our best <laughs> to, to find you some medals somewhere, but we can't. When we, when I tell you, like, um, we raised so much money from that 5k and Rowena was like, Hey, I have somebody who does art and he did the art for the metal. And then we turned into a metal and then, uh, she turned it into a t-shirt. So we were doing t-shirt sales and she found protect our defenders. And, and she was like, Hey, this company represents military members who've gone through this. We're going to donate our money to them. And they were so in awe of what we did. And we did it in a matter of 30 to 45 days. It was almost like a, a fairy tale movie. You don't expect that much success on your first 5K. I have to just 
say to you guys as from one female to another, you guys are absolute rock stars. Just not only in coming together and feeling proud of, you know, just what I've been through with sexual assault and domestic violence. This is not going to define me. This part of my life is not going to make me who I am the rest of my life. And that's like, that is amazing to hear that you guys went through such traumatic experiences, you know, whether it was sexual assault in the military or with domestic violence, and you're able to come forward and speak up and be that advocate and be that voice for other people. Because I think there's this fear of if I say something like who else may not believe me, what happens when I do this? Am I going to be an outcast? So I think you guys are actually just making this even more of a topic to say, you know, if, if you come out and you're strong enough to talk, you don't have to go tell the entire world. You can just come even to you, both of you and say, Hey, I just like, like Rowena said, I just need somebody to talk to. I'm not ready for a therapist yet. I'm not ready to go do this report yet, but you guys are kind of like that medium area of, I think I might be ready, but I'm not sure. And you're just encompassing the positivity of you have a safe place to go. And I think that that's crucial, especially with everything the world's going through right now. So you guys are absolute rock stars. I'm just in awe of what you're doing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Can I add one more point that when you talked about something and then I'll be quiet because I hate talking when it's not, it's not, I hate talking but another point that I wanted to make um, that you touched on a few minutes ago um, is the fact that in addition to, you know, we want survivors to know that we believe you, but we want you to also know that whenever this happens, whenever you're, you go through trauma, sexual assault, domestic violence, thoughts of suicide, which we as military members Military spouses and veterans have all been through. I can, I can guarantee you that, even though we don't say it, somebody has had one aspect happen to them in their military career. I want them people to know that even if you speak out, even if you say something, um, it's not a career ender, if that makes sense. A lot of people think that, oh, if I say something, if I talk, if I get help, if I speak to someone, it's a career ender. And Olivia, for me, is living proof and she's not the only one but she's the closest one that I know she's living proof that you know that happens and she is a senior still learning airman terms but she is a senior person <laughs> in the in the air force you know she's she's high ranking she's up there right for the senior enlisted and she's finishing her well she I think she's finished close to finishing her master's degree, if not already done. She's doing that in, in clinical in psychology and wants to help others. And she's doing all these amazing things. She's a businesswoman too, but she still, you know, is able to speak about her trauma. She's still able to serve in the military. She's still able to take care of her family. And of course there's going to be bumps in the road. We're not going to have all cupcakes and rainbows every day. And it's not going to be something that's just going to be positive every day. It's not. We're all going to struggle at some point. Um, but it's not a career ender. Um, it's not going to stop you from living out the things that you really want to do. And Olivia is living proof of that. And I think that the more women and men, too, as well, I want to acknowledge that, too, the more women and men speak out in the military, the more people will see that. It's not a career ender, which is why I always stress in the military, like senior leaders, I would love to see them speak out more about the things that have happened to them. 
because I think that if senior leaders in the military, whether it's officer, whether it's enlisted, whether it's a general, if you share that you've been a sexual assault survivor, if you share that you've been a survivor of domestic violence and you struggle with suicide, I think that lets your junior soldiers know, your younger soldiers know that a lot of times this is the main population that this happens to. And it lets them know that, hey, I've been through this. Hey, I understand your pain. I understand what you're going through. I know the military is not perfect at all, but we are trying to do our best to take care of our military members. And we know, and we hear you and we're listening to you. And we have been through the same thing. So I think sometimes for me, um, the more senior leaders in the military and high ranking officials speak out about their stories and their experiences, I think it'll start to have more of an effect and a lot more of an effect rather than having the survivors, which is great. And I think it's like the most amazing thing ever because this is the first time we have done this ever in our military career. I think that will also have an impact and let people know that, hey, I'm this E4, this E5, this young 18 or 19 year old that was just sexually assaulted, but I'm looking at this high ranking person that's been through the same thing. And I know if they can get through it. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I come from a military background. Um, my uncle was actually, he's retired now, but he got all the way up to be a colonel in the Air Force. And it was very interesting to to hear about, you know, people and family members in the military, because it was almost like, you don't talk about anything like this. You don't talk about sexual assault. You don't talk about um, depression. You don't talk about suicide. You don't talk about domestic violence. Those are just topics, especially whether you're a civilian or within military that you just don't talk about. And when it became a big topic was with Vanessa. And I remember as soon as the media latched on, it was, this is just one case that her family, not even the military, but her family pushed and advocated for her, for her life to be found, to get justice. And so I think that that's really crucial, especially with your company and being the nonprofit of we don't want, like you said, to be proactive. We don't want it to be another casualty. We don't want it to be another victim that it was just too late. And so I really love what you guys are doing. I have a really great friend of mine actually here locally. Um, he's now out of the military and we, we talk about topics and stuff that are coming up and I kind of just threw it out there. I'm like, this is going to be, you know, the next one coming up because he now listens to the podcast a lot. And it was interesting. He's like, we went through the training when I was in the military and I'm going to keep his branch private. But he's like, I never like I paid attention, but not really because I was like, I'm never going to have to use this. Like, when am I going to have to have this knowledge? So I think that the more people speaking up, it's making it more available of you're taught this of how to report. So now what do you do with it before it's too late? I think that one of the reasons why I definitely uh, decided to speak up because I wanted to, it was very offensive when I would be in a class and everybody is huffing and puffing. Like, why do we have to do this over and over again? I felt it was so offensive um, and there are survivors that are sitting amongst you, sitting quietly, not wanting to speak because of reasons like that. And I mean, I get it. We're human. No one wants to sit through the whole death by PowerPoint. I get it. So I felt like, well, if I throw it in your face and let you see that a survivor is in front of you, that it happened to me. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people still kind of think that it's not so common, but it. I've, I've had many conversations with my colonel, my 06, and I said, 
sir, you have no idea how many cases alone are on this base right now that not even Sapper is aware of. So it's important mm -hmm. that you have support, every, you know, even, even in the classroom. If you don't want to be there, poker face. But show the support because you don't know if the person that's next to you, it, it doesn't affect you until it happens to your sister, your mother, your aunt, your friend. So if you see that it happened to your senior NCO and I'm still here, I'm still pushing, I'm still fighting, you're going to see this is real. So if we have a listener right now that might be sitting on base, they're just listening to this because I have a very large um, audience in regards to veterans, especially with TikTok. And this is going to be on TikTok as well as we're going to put it on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Because like I said in the beginning, this is something that needs to be talked about. It's not something that's taboo. It's not something that, oh, well, you're going against, you know, high ranking people. No, this is the difference between right and wrong. Um, we all know and we're all taught right and wrong. So when something happens and you are a victim, you need to be able to have the courage to speak up. But not only that, you need to have the support system that listens to you and hears you and wants to go with you through the process of healing. This is something that takes a lifetime. So if you have a listener right now that may just be sitting on base, they're in their car and they're like, this has happened to me. And now I don't know what to do. Like Rowena said, I'm not ready to do therapy yet. I'm not ready to report it yet. What is the process, especially with your company now? If somebody were to reach out to you, what advice would you give? Like, what are the steps or is it something? And if they, they tell you what happened, do you guys go and report it? If they have that fear, um, what is your company and what is your advice that you offer for those that might be listening and they feel like this is their next turn to, to go to you? So we, that's the beauty of, we believe you is that we are not held by restrictions of the DOD. So if you come to us, and just say, I need to vent. I need to get this off my chest. Rowena has brought people to me plenty of times and said, hey, if you want to talk to her, she's here. Rowena brought me someone who I'll never forget. She called me at three o'clock in the morning and she was just in tears because I, I guess she was having some night terrors. And she just I, I picked up the phone. And I listened to her and I asked her, I said, you know, where do you want to go with this conversation? And she said, I just wanted to get that off my chest. That's fine. That's fine. Because sometimes, and this is for people who are, who want to support people who may not have experienced it personally. Sometimes they just want to be heard. Sometimes you just want to be heard. Because again, like I said, when you're going through the restricted and unrestricted process, it, you almost feel a bit bipolar because you're going to go through periods where I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm done. If you knew how many times I dropped out of my um, <laughs> out of my investigation and I told people I'm not talking, I'm not doing anything. I blocked numbers and everything. And then I came back a month later and said, OK, OK, I'm coming back. Um, we're, we're the same way. We're here. If you need us. Whatever you need us to do, this is your show. So there we're not going to tell you, OK, this is what we have to do. We're not bound by law to tell anyone. We are here for you. What you want to do, if you want us to stand next to you and fight and, and be out there in the trenches and, and get your story told, we can do it. If you want to be in the closet talking about it, just crying your eyes out, calling me three o'clock in the morning, do it. That's what we're here for. Because again, there's no way any of us are going to be able to survive our trauma if we don't have that support system. What did your support system look like from the time that 
you've carried this for so many years to then when you reported it, how did this affect your support system? Because so many people, especially when this occurs or it happens, it's almost this immediate, like, well, why did you wait so long? And people don't understand. There's no, there's no timeline. There's no timeline on trauma. There's no timeline on Mm -hmm. healing. There's, there's no timeline for when you are, or you may never be ready. So how did this timeline so-called affect your support system? Did you have more people that actually came and they were like, oh, wow, we can't believe that you've you've kept this for so long? Or did you have kind of that other alternative? Because I've seen this happen a lot of like, well, why did you wait so long? Are you sure this really happened? You know, did this happen? Are you sure about this? So how did this affect your timeline? Because I know so many people wait years and years and decades to actually feel comfortable to talk about it. Well, like I said, it was a domino effect. So it affected my marriage. It affected my social life. So in the beginning, in the very beginning, my support system was alcohol. And I'm going to tell you, I was very lucky not to have um, any incidences where it would have spilled into my military career. Um, I drank a lot. I drank a lot. Just if, if it would get me, to, if it would keep me to sleep, I did it. Um, unfortunately I suffered a lot. I wasn't a good mother at all. I wasn't affectionate at all. And when you hit rock bottom and I remember I actually, I was in my car and I was by myself and I remember driving off the highway. I just drove off the highway and I landed, um, into the wooded area. And (laughs) I, the only thing I got was, um, I got a concussion. Um, and luckily I survived. Luckily my daughters weren't in the car and luckily I wasn't under the influence. But I think at that moment it was like, I had to, I had to get it off my chest. I had to talk to somebody. And in, in the beginning, my support system wasn't that great. A lot of people were just kind of like, well, go see therapy, get on medication, do this, do that. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, then it was like, well, you have to report it to them. You have to report it. If you talk to anyone in the military, well, you have to report it and they can do an investigation. And for me, it took me having to join a military sorority with other women who had went through the same thing to finally say, I'm going to talk. I'm going to post this on social media. I'm going to put this out there in the SAPR trainings. And I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what how anyone judges me and I'm gonna tell you that's the strength like no other that is strength when you can finally say that and it took actually my oldest daughter when she was sexually assaulted for me to finally say enough enough so you have to again sometimes your support system isn't in front of you sometimes you have to go look for it I was very blessed to find Rowena I was very blessed to find Keisha and Tanya. I was very blessed to be able to um, finally open up to my mother and tell her. And as a matter of fact, um, the man who raped me is actually stationed in San Antonio. He just put on E7 a few years ago. He never got a court martial. He never he never saw um, any time in jail. So for me, it became less about him and more about healing me 
for those that are listening that may be ready to report, um, can you give kind of a little insight of what that looked like from the time you reported? And then, like you said, you got to the point where you kind of go back and forth of, yes, I'm ready. No, I'm not. I'm blocking this number. Okay, no, now I'm ready. Can you take us through that process of what it feels like after reporting? Because I think that's such a a crucial moment because people don't know what's next. They don't know what that next step looks like or feels like. I'm going to be honest. Um, if you do unrestricted reporting, be prepared to have a lot of phone calls. You're going to go through an investigation process. You're going to have to tell your story. Um, you can do some, you can do counseling if you want, um, but you have to talk to a lot of people. And as much as it, it feels like it, they're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. It, it can be a bit much. It, it can be like, I remember calling Rowena and I was crying and I'm like, I had five emails and six phone calls today and I can't do this. And I just blocked them and I was crying and I said, I can't do this. And our staffer, she is absolutely amazing. Um, she was like, if you need to take a break, take a break. If you need to tell people, stop calling me, stop, stop calling me. Um, you can also have a lawyer to speak on your behalf, but even at times like that, you just, you want to be left alone because be prepared, especially if you wait a long time to tell your story, you're going to cut into that wound and it's going to hurt as if it happened that same day. It's going to hurt. It is, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. Um, but when you have people that are saying, hey, 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 take a break, fall back, fall back. When you're ready, you leave. You run the show. You, you you get your power back, if that makes sense. So it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, restricted is not as... Restricted is a, a little bit harder because if you feel the need to leave the base or the installation, or the installation or the section that you're in, they're going to advise you to go unrestricted so that you can let the chain of command know because it's really difficult in the military to just move sections um, to get away, especially if the individual that did it is in, in your, your working environment. And it just so happened to be, he was my supervisor and we didn't have Sapper back then. So it was, it was like, okay, well it was just, it was just treated as, okay, well the Lieutenant can pretty much make a decision of how he wanted to handle the situation. Now, it's no, it's, it's beyond, it's even beyond the wing commander's control at this point. So you have to make the choice. Do I want to tell the world what happened? Do I just want to tell one person, but you have the control. I think that's important for listeners is you have the control because for so long in that traumatic experience, you feel that they took over, they took over control of every single emotion and feeling that you have. So I love that what you guys are doing, that you're stating you have the control, you're writing the next chapter, you are running the direction that this goes for you. And I think that's important because especially in the military, it's like Rowena said, oh, well, it's just going to end my career. I'm not ready yet. I I didn't choose this. I don't want to go anywhere. Um, So I think it's important, especially with what both of you are doing with this company is It's kind of like you have that girl's best friend of, hey, I had something happen. I need to pick up the phone. I need somebody to go to and talk to without that fear of pressure of I have to do this next. And then what does it look like for me? So I cannot thank you guys enough for what you're doing. It's 
unbelievable, especially out there in a world that people don't feel like they have a voice or that if they have a voice, they're not allowed to speak up loud enough for fear of what's going to happen next. And Tabitha, I wanted to also mention that, you know, in addition to kind of being like the, the best friend, which I, I always advocate for peer-to-peer advocacy. I just think it's so important. But um, I think in addition to that, that we'll often get survivors who will reach out to us. And there's often going to be times that we're not able to handle certain situations in certain cases. And we that's why it's so important to partner with other resources that are out there. So we often partner with um, resources in local areas. Like Olivia has partners in her local area in Delaware that she partners with. So if we can't help you legally, then we know where to go. I have partners here in Maryland that I work with as well. So if I can't help you legally, if I can't help you with shelter, um, you know, then we have the resources and the partnerships to know where to go. And also one thing that I wanted to talk about too is another thing that we kind of have going on that we wanted to make sure that survivors knew about is still in the works, but it's, it's going to happen, is that when I talk to survivors of sexual assault, um, when I talk to survivors of domestic violence, um, they often, when they leave or after that rape gets done, they often don't have the necessary resources, the necessary comfort items that they need to sustain themselves. So especially with sexual assault survivors, since this is about sexual assault survivors, we are working and continuing to work on what we have um, backpacks for survivors. So we, we trying to do is get these backpack fills with comfort items after a survivor goes through a rape kit. You know, slippers, um, a robe, um, journals, Anything that that survivor would need after a backpack that they can use for the next 30 days to let them know that there are organizations like us that care about them and that believe them and that we know that while this is not going to be an easy process, we want you to know that we are here for you. And I hope that and we hope that this is just kind of a a small token of letting you know that we're here for you. It might not be much to you at the time. Um, but we just want you to know that, that we're here for you. So that's really what we have going on. And one of our biggest things to outside of advocating and speaking out and having our survivor speak series, those are some of the other things we do and that we're trying to do as well. Cause we just think it's important that we provide healing items because it's really important after that trauma happens that they know that it's going to be a process and it's going to be a healing process. And we want to try to provide them with things that they might need to sustain them. So that's what we wanted to add to it. That's what I wanted to add to it as well. And I just think that you're amazing and you're a rock star too as well. I wanted to add that part too. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. I know hearing that a lot of listeners um, are going to say, how do I get in on this? How do I, how do I help make the backpacks? I, I already know. I mean, hearing you say that, I already know people are going to be like, I want to do something that's amazing. It's comforting. And it's, you know, that you're not alone. And it's almost like that proud feeling of like, you did this. Now it's your turn to just sit and relax for a moment and just realize that you're okay. And it's going to be okay. So do you guys for those backpacks or, and especially everything that you guys are doing, um, do you guys take donations? Can someone um, provide any form of donation strictly to you guys, or can they help out in different States or how can, I know I'm going to have so many listeners that want to help out with this. So what is the best way that they can go about it? So I always say to visit our page. I put everything out there on our social media page. Um, We believe you SOS um, has information out there. It has our website. Um, as well. 
And that is mainly where the people can go and the listeners can go if they want to support. We are in always in need and we are always taking donated items. So if you have a survivor that's located near the Delaware area, the Eastern Shore as well, out in that area, Olivia will be doing the collecting. If you have a survivor that's out in the Maryland area, then that's where I'll be. But we're always in taking donations. We have an Amazon wish list that we posted um, on our Instagram page and Facebook page as well. So we are always just taking donations. So anything, any amount helps. We do monetary donations too as well. And we can go out and get the items ourselves. But we just want to be able to to do something and give something back to survivors who might not feel that they have any support system at all. So we want to be able to do this. So if you just follow our social media pages, um, our website as well, then that would give you all the information that you need. Or you can send us an email too. We're really good about responding to emails. We're pretty quick about it. So if you send us an email um, and you're interested in donating to us, we can send you the steps on how to donate as well. So, Well, ladies, thank you so much for both being on and sharing your stories, your experiences, and just sharing your passion and your drive to help other people. It's amazing to not only hear about anyone that's gone through a traumatic experience, but the fact that they turn it around and they want to make a difference and they want to make a change. It takes one person to actually make a difference. And if one voice is loud enough, that's all that matters. So I will put all of your website information in the bio. Um, I also want to link up, I have a pretty good TikTok following. We have a lot of veterans and a lot of veteran communities on there. So let me see what I can do and pull some strings here. And uh, I'm going to see if maybe we can do like a challenge per state. Um, Listeners, let's see. Let's see what state can actually come through for these survivors and these victims the hardest, because I feel like I have a lot of friends that live in Texas and they're like, you know, we're the biggest state. I live in Arizona, the West Coast. We got a really big heart. Um, So I'm going to go on TikTok and I'm going to see if we can do a... um, a United States challenge, and it's going to be for our military men and w- women that are these victims. Um, so let's see what state can pull through first, I like that. and we'll uh, we'll get this started and do it for the rest like, of the summer. I like that. I like it. <laughs> love it. Love it. You know what? Olivia has been telling me about TikTok for like the past yes. six months, but I <laughs> I just haven't done it. Yes, we got to get on TikTok. My daughter's taught me how to do it, so I can't even talk. Yeah, my daughters had to teach me how to do it because I sure know didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I deal with so many advocates. I deal with a lot of veteran communities. Um, and I have just an outpour of, of just amazing, good-hearted people. And that's really hard to find these days. So let's get this ball in motion. And if you're listening, make sure you go on my Facebook page for the podcast. Drop what state you're in. And let's get this started. There's, like I said, there's one person that needs to be a voice. And if you can be that voice in your state, imagine what you can do for those victims that are out there that may feel, you know, I just don't know if anyone's going to believe me. We are that person that believes these victims. So I'll put all of this stuff in the bio and we'll make sure that we can get everybody together. Um, And I will also make sure to link your um, company website so any donations can come directly your way so you can help as many people as possible. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's appreciated. Absolutely. Well, God bless you guys. And you guys are amazing. There's only more things coming up. I just feel it. I just feel it in my soul. You guys were made to be here for a reason. This company was made to be here for a reason. You're going to change so many lives. It's just going to be one small step at a time. So thank you ladies for being on and being warriors out there in a world that you feel like you're up against all the time. And uh, Olivia, thank you again for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us too. 
Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.